Today I'm going to talk about something that we've heard this word many times. We're very familiar with it. Um, and the word is the Trinity. We're going to talk about the Trinity. It describes the one true God existing in three individual persons. It's a word that if you look in the Bible to find it, you won't find it because it's not in Scripture. But it's used to describe the triune God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The Word of God teaches us that the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. For some, this term and the relationship between the three can be kind of confusing. It's confusing because we've got human minds. You know, we have finite minds. And although we can understand some of the relational aspects of the three, it's really hard to wrap our mind around what God's doing there. About that, you know, what comes to that relation, relationship between the three. It's a mystery that we accept by faith, but also supported many times by Scripture. And we see the concept really even at the very beginning of Scripture in Genesis 1 1. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the Hebrew word for God there is Elohim. And it's actually plural form, which means in the Hebrew, more than two. In this case, signifying one God, but three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if you go through Scripture, there are other references in Scripture, but I'm not really here to defend the concept of the Trinity per se. But I want to talk about the relationship with those three, especially when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Who is he, his role, his function, especially in the lives of believers. You know, in the book of John, as Jesus is explaining to the apostles that he's getting ready to leave, he tells them that he will send someone to take his place, that they would never be alone. And he was going to send an advocate, a counselor, meaning someone to come alongside them, to encourage, to exhort, spurring them on to action. And of course, this advocate he was speaking about was the Holy Spirit. And in John 14, 15, he says, If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and I will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So he sends an advocate. And you know, when I'm, let me say this. When I, when I speak about the Holy Spirit, I, wanna, I prefer to clarify something immediately, and that's this. He's a person. A him. Not a super, supernatural energy or force. He certainly is a force to be reckoned with because he operates in the power of God. But he's a person. You know, for me, coming from a Catholic background, there was not much said about the Holy Spirit. You know, as far as we went with that, it was Father, Son, Holy Ghost. And that was it. We moved on. I wasn't taught really anything. And I was amazed to learn the role he has in so many things, especially in the lives of those who accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And one thing stands out when it comes to the Trinity, and that's this word that you're familiar with also. It's called submission. Because there's submission within the Trinity, and it's not a submission that appoints to one of those persons being lesser than another, but rather because they are respecting their roles, and maybe in, in you know, plain terms, I could say staying in their lane, when it comes to their interaction with the world regarding their divine activity. Because of his love, the Father sent his Son to die on the cross for the sins of the world. Jesus, in return, completely submitted to the will of the Father. And the Holy Spirit submits to Jesus as he sends him back. 
You know, they may be involved differently, but all three persons have the same nature, the same essence, same glory. Not one lesser than the other. They're equal. They're co-equal. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, he's the means that the Father uses in creation, divine revelation, salvation, and in Jesus' work. In Genesis 1-2, and I love the picture that this paints. Genesis 1-2 says, And the earth was without form and void, and the darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Without form, without void. And the Hebrew means confusion and emptiness. And Scripture says the Holy Spirit moved upon the waters, which in the Hebrew means to brood, just like a fowl broods over her eggs, hatching her eggs. Because he was affecting things by the supernatural power of God. It's a great image of him being involved, involved in creation there at the beginning, bringing order out of chaos, out of confusion. He's eternal. God's eternal. Jesus Christ is eternal. And bringing order out of confusion is not something he, I mean, he does this normally in the lives of believers, doesn't he? He often brings order in the face of chaos, clarity in the face of confusion and illumination of truth in the face of lies. The Holy Spirit is also very active when it comes to salvation. When it comes to those who hear the gospel message, the Holy Spirit takes the truth of God, reveals them to the hearer, convincing them, convicting them that they are sinners who need a savior. And it's their response to that conviction that brings people to salvation. See, we have this wrong sometime because in our human nature, in the flesh, we want to share the truth and then we want to shake them awake and say, listen, you don't know what you're missing. Except Jesus. That's not the way it works. It's a supernatural happening. Via the Holy Spirit. We share the scriptural truth. The Holy Spirit does the rest and people choose. And really, they're choosing Christ or not. They're choosing heaven or they're choosing hell. It's by their own choice, though. When it comes to believers, he's actively involved. He's the ultimate guide involving God's truth and direction. Jesus said this in John 16, 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. He guides us in truth. The Holy Spirit was active in the work of Jesus Christ. In Acts 10, 38, it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Because God was with him. He was involved in the work of Christ. You know, the Holy Spirit is described by many titles in Scripture. He's referred to as the spirit of truth, of holiness, of life, of adoption, of faith, of promise, of wisdom, of revelation, of power, of love, of sound mind, of grace, of joy. 
He does. He keeps us from error and he guides us in truth. He sets us apart as holy for God. We are born again and adopted as son and heirs to Christ. When we hear the word of God, the Holy Spirit creates faith in our heart by convincing us of the truth and prompting us to exercise that faith. He indwells believers, sealing them, marking them as children of God. He imparts skill and discernment to apply biblical principles in our lives. He reveals to us who God is, which helps to enhance our relationship with him. He allows us to understand God's word when we read it. Revealing the truth, illuminating the truth. He imparts ability and power in our Christian walk, in our ministries. Because of him, we have a supernatural love that's within us that we would not experience if he wasn't there. He gives us a sound mind, a stable mind, self-control that keeps our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ so that we're not wavering between the world and the word. He supernaturally enables us to do the will of God by grace. It's because of the Holy Spirit that we are a light in a dark world. He is the one who gives, our, gives us our spiritual gifts for the betterment of the body. He is the one who produces fruit in the lives of believers. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We are declared holy when we're saved, yet his job is to make us more and more Christ-like, called progressive sanctification. Becoming slaves to righteousness. You know, as I start listing things, I start going through these functions of the Holy Spirit. It's obvious that he plays a huge role in the lives of believers. And this is a fact. You cannot be a true Christian without the Holy Spirit in you. You can't. It's not possible. And without the Holy Spirit in you, he won't be doing all these things that I'm talking about because he's not there. For the believer, the Lord sent the Holy Spirit to guide us, direct us, comfort us, encourage us, exhort us, to teach us. We have the power of God within us. We have the ability to say no to sin. We have ability to turn down the temptation that's going to pop up and it will pop up. We are no longer slaves to sin, but a children of God, sealed by the Holy Spirit, promised eternal salvation. Amen. With the Holy Spirit in our lives, the bondage of sin is gone. It's gone. Don't live like that. It's gone. When the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Amen. Amen. Listen, without him. Maybe you're still responding to the things calling your name. See, we often speak about being filled with the Holy Spirit. It comes up a lot, be filled with the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit. At first, let me say this about being filled with the Holy Spirit, because it's really not about emotion, and we have to be careful here. And I'm an emotional guy, and sometimes I feel like I get waylaid 
the Holy Spirit's moving in my life. So it certainly can be an emotional experience, but the Holy Spirit moving in our lives can't be gauged by how we feel about it. And also, let me say this, having the Holy Spirit at all can't be gauged about how you feel about it. Because I have known people who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they don't feel anything. So they start doubting immediately. But then God starts working in their lives, and they start seeing things change. You know, so just because you don't feel that the Holy Spirit's in you doesn't mean he's not in you. Understand? That's a huge one. So we can't go by feeling because it's a privilege. He's a privilege. It's a gift. He's a gift of grace. You know, in Ephesians, when the word speaks about being filled with the Spirit, it's referring to a continual process. And it's an exhortation for clarity's sake. Exhortation means an emphatic urging for someone to do something. So it's an emphatic urging to be filled for us to continue to be filled with the Spirit. You know, Christians are always in a battle with what? The flesh. We're always in a battle with the flesh. We have to make a choice to allow ourselves to be controlled by our desires, our flesh, or the Holy Spirit of God. It's a choice that we constantly face. You know, and as we get into these functions of God in our life, as we talked about being controlled by the Spirit of God, filled with the Spirit of God, when we choose that direction, we will certainly have that abundant life that the Bible speaks about. We will certainly experience the joy of the Lord regardless of our situation and the circumstances that we face. If we are living a life controlled by the Spirit of God, we will be experiencing peace and the dominoes will be falling. And the road will be less bumpy. When we're living in the spirit of God, we're not always battling chaos. Because there are Christians who are always battling everything going wrong in their life. Always battling that oppression that's trying to sneak in. Always battling the depression that's around the corner. Always battling things of the world. But listen, it's it's a wake-up call because maybe you're not living and following the Spirit of God. Maybe you still got one foot in the world and one foot in the Lord. And that's, you can't exist like that. To be controlled by the Holy Spirit is walking in obedience to the Lord. For the believer, listen, that's the lane we want to be in. Submitting to God's way, not our way, is the only way for the abundance of fruit, love, joy, peace in our lives. It's the only way to know God's direction for our lives, to receive guidance that comes from the Comforter, our Advocate, the Holy Spirit. You know, Pastor Bob asked a question last week in his sermon, what steals your joy? As I thought about it and I was writing the sermon, you know, I believe that it can be directly related to a struggle that many believers experience at least in some fashion. And that's, and that's this. And this is correctly discerning between what the Holy Spirit of God wants us to do and what we want to do. Discerning between the Holy Spirit and our own thoughts. Correctly discerning God's path and our own path because of our desires. Discerning between God's timing and our own timing. It's so easy to put the cart before the horse if we let our impatience and our emotions drive what we want to do, it's not a good place to be. Everybody will agree with that. 
You know, you don't want to be ahead of God saying, hurry up, catch up, because it's going to be rough. Things aren't going to work out smoothly. But let me say this. The other side of the coin here is it's easy also to fight that forward motion. It's easy not to venture into uncharted territory to answer a call. Why? Because we're comfortable. Why? Because we're settled in our ways. Because we're fearful of moving all in because we don't see the whole plan. Listen, if God wants you to go in a certain direction and you don't, uh, that'll steal your joy too. I think we can all agree that if you're truly a follower of Jesus Christ, there is going to be this desire to be obedient to God. And for many, and rightfully so, they want to make sure that they're hearing from God. They want to make sure they're hearing from the Holy Spirit. They want to make sure they're getting the right direction. And before I go on, I want to just share this verse with you. and something that you're, not, you're, you're familiar with. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and discipline. One thing that the Holy Spirit is not is a spirit of fear. He's definitely not a spirit of fear. So when God wants you to go in the direction and you want to and all of a sudden you're to, so afraid, man, you better rethink what's going on. Don't let that stop you from moving forward. Don't let that stop you in your tracks because this emotion just all of a sudden overwhelms you. Don't don't throw in the towel because the anxiety starts to build and the nervousness starts to build up because you need to know the path and what's going on, what's coming next, Lord, before I can take a step. Because you know what that is? That's control starting to seep in and you don't want to hand it over to God. He is not a spirit of fear. He is not a spirit of fear. You know, for those people who get, find themselves in that situation, I would say this. When that anxiety comes and that fear comes and it stops you from moving forward, st- stop, take a breath and listen. You can even rebuke the fear and listen to what God has to say to you because the Holy Spirit is guiding you. And how do you know you can use what he's given us in the most obvious way is if it lines up with the word of God. See, God's not going to contradict himself. And bottom line, if you think you should do something and it's against the word of God, eh, cross it off the list. It's not God. It's not the Holy Spirit. The word of God is the ultimate source of wisdom and instruction for our life. And the Holy Spirit will use scripture to speak to us. Now, of course, there's another side to this coin also. Because if you think God wants you to do something and it lines up with the will of God, it lines up with his word. Do it. See, we resist that a lot because it needs to be something that we want to do. You know, I'm a big guy for confirmation. I say if God thinks, you know, if God's putting it on your heart, which really means God said so. Okay, let's just cut to the chase there. If I said God put it on my heart, I'm saying God said to me. Let's just be clear there. All right. And I'm not sure. 
I'm only saying pray for confirmation. Pray for confirmation. God will give it to you. And then when you get that confirmation, doesn't mean you have to sit down and pray for another confirmation. <clears throat> People do that because, and let's be honest here, they do that because they don't want to do it in the first place. Amen. And they're like, God, uh, if you want me to do this, confirm this, but please, I don't want to hear from you. Because <laughs> they don't want to go in that direction. They don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you've experienced this I've experienced this refer to this I had a check in my spirit and listen this is I'm not making fun of this because this is legit but you have to understand something check in my spirit is spirit little s it's in our spirit because it's something that is conveyed to our spirit from the Holy Spirit about our direction, about our choices, about how we're living, about slowing down. It's about speeding up. It's always about pay attention. It's always about stopping and reconsidering your next decision or what you're going to do because something's not quite right. You know, and concerning that, he also uses our conscience. Sometimes, in Romans 9, 1, it says, I speak the truth in Christ, I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he uses our conscience. It's not just about the check in the spirit, but it's also the renewed mind that we just know that there's something wrong. Slow down. Take another look. In this world, particularly in our culture, where it seems that we always have to be involved with something, we always have to be doing something, we're always working at something, it's easy to go right through these feelings sometimes. The early, the Holy Spirit early warning system. Sometimes we walk right through it because we're so busy doing what we have to do. We're so busy filling, you know, filling the schedule. Sometimes that uneasiness, we just blow it right off. And it's even easier not to pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is saying or trying to warn us about when we're spiritually dull. We're not spiritually prepared for the everyday battle. You know, I'm going to be truthful here. You can be working in 10 different ministries and working your hands to the, till they bleed and serving the Lord with everything you got and be spiritually dull. Not spiritually ready for the battle. And maybe even missing the real purpose that God has for you in the plan. Because you're so wrapped up in doing what you want to do. Or so wrapped up in thinking that you're going to do what your, your talent is. So... I'm not saying that it's wrong. It has a place. But I'm saying we have to be careful there. Listen, even when it comes to being the leader of the household, the man needs to be the spiritual leader of the household. That takes on a whole other thing here. It's not just about working with your hands and providing and all this other stuff. And that may be part of it. But spiritual leadership is huge. And if you're not spiritually ready every day, how are you doing that? Not happening. 
And if you're not spiritually ready, if we're not spiritually ready every day, this goes by the wayside, too. And this is a biggie. Discernment. Discerning what's of God, what's of the enemy, what's of the world. You know, and to discern, to clearly hear from the Holy Spirit. It is important for us as children of God to keep our minds and our hearts open to his leading and his guidance and his direction. And you do that by being in prayer. You do that by being in your prayer closet with others and local assembly. We do that by being in God's word and not just learning God's word, but applying his principles to our life. If you learned everything about the Bible and every spiritual principle and didn't apply it to your life, you're not being Christian. That's what they're there for. To discern and clearly hear from the Holy Spirit, we have to follow God's word whether we want to or not. This is our submission to the Lord. This is trusting in God and helping us to discern when he's speaking. Here's a verse that I'm not sure people correctly understand. comes up quite a bit. How the Holy Spirit's helping us when we pray. In Romans 8, 26, it says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Wordless groans. And he searches our hearts, knows the minds of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. In the King James Version, it says, He maketh intercession for us. You know, there are several places that speak about intercession, but this is the only verse that uses a specific Greek word that's not found anywhere else in the New Testament. And the word is hooper and tunkano. And I can't say it again. I made it the first time. <laughs> And unlike the other words, which mean to aid and assist in any manner like an advocate does in a court of law, like a lawyer does for a client in a court of law, it means here that the Holy Spirit greatly assists us, but not by praying for us. But he helps us in our prayers and weaknesses. He's engaged with us as we approach the throne room of God. He helps us by bringing things to the forefront of our mind, by stirring up in our hearts to pray, that he increases our faith and he sustains us as we approach the Father. He helps us in our weaknesses, and weaknesses in the Greek, the Greek word for weaknesses is applied usually to those who unite, or the word help, I should say, who unite and come and support a burden together. So the Holy Spirit is joining with us in our prayers And he's doing what he needs to do to console us, to help us, to give us strength against those burdens that we're under. To give us strength against the trials that are coming. To give us strength against the attacks of the enemy. To give us strength in whatever hardships we are facing. This is a powerful picture. And this is who Christ sent to be with us, that's in us right now. 
You have somebody, as soon as we start to pray, the Holy Spirit comes in and joins with us as we approach God. No matter what we're going through, why would we ever go to the world first when we can go to God through the power of the Holy Spirit helping us? When we pray, he helps. When we pray, he engages with us. The key here is we have to choose to pray. Key here is we have to read the word and meditate on it. We have to be spiritually equipped in helping us discern the godly direction and his voice, the Holy Spirit. So I've touched upon many functions of the Holy Spirit. I mean, the things I have in here are probably ten more sermons. Um, But we know this. We know that he is the third person of the Trinity, that he's not part of God. He is God. And having said that, he shares the same attributes and characteristics as God. The Holy Spirit has his own thoughts, own will, his mind, emotions. And along with the amazing role that he has in the lives of believers and what scripture has to say about him and what our relationship is to him, there's also a warning that needs to be heeded when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Something that needs to be paid attention to because it's something that we can easily fall into. In Ephesians 4.30 it says this, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Because he is the third person of the Trinity with emotions, he can be grieved, meaning he can be stressed, he can be saddened by what we do. He can be grieved by our choice to sin, to choose the flesh, to move in the desire rather than God's will. To the church in Ephesus, Paul names some particular things that grieve him, such as theft and lying and anger, immorality, bitterness, cursing, unforgiveness. He can be grieved by ingratitude and neglect, refusing to follow God's word, refusing to pray, refusing to use your spiritual gifts in the body of Christ, refusing to fellowship together. He can be grieved when we refuse to share our Lord and Savior with those that are lost. He can be grieved when we fall into legalism and add conditions to salvation or in a matter of conscience start to project holiness rules on other people because we become God. He can be grieved and blasphemed when we attribute his work to Satan. He can be grieved when we resist him, his counsel, promptings, and his functions in our lives. And it's important to understand these warnings. It's important to understand, you know, if we're going down these paths, to stop. Why? Because if we continue to do that, it doesn't take much from grieving to turning to quenching. And when you quench the Holy Spirit in his life, you're going to resist everything that he has to do, everything that he wants to do in your life. And why? Because a lot of times we don't want to do it. We want to quench him, we want to put him in the back burner. 
because he's coming against what the flesh wants. And we're giving into the flesh. When we quench him, we will suppress him when he wants to express himself in our lives and our attitudes and our choices and our actions. When we quench him, the peace that we had is going to go bye bye and it's going to be chaos. There's going to be confusion. Things are going to get rocky. We don't want to quench him. When you quench him, you find yourself over the line sometimes wondering how you got there playing in sin. Because you're not clearly hearing his voice. Hey, when he's quenched, and this is a Christian now, when he's quenched, maybe you're finding yourself living a pagan lifestyle as a Christian, and that never goes well. And maybe you're suffering for it. There is good news. And the good news is this. Call repentance. You see, the Holy Spirit wants us to recognize the unrighteousness in our life. Wants us to recognize what's going. Wants us to openly come and repent and turn back to the direction of Jesus Christ. Doesn't say when we do these things that he's so mad at us that he wants to strike us down because he could. He is the power of God. It says that he's grieved, he's hurt, he's saddened because he knows what we're doing to ourselves. And that's not what he wants for us. It doesn't matter where you're at. If you repent and you turn back towards God, Jesus Christ is right there. Don't get in the, stuck in the stubbornness of your ways and refusal, you know, pridely refusal of changing your ways and turning back towards God. He wants us to get back on the path of righteousness, start moving forward for the kingdom of God. He wants us to live that life that honors Christ because if we do that, guess what? We're in the abundant life. When we do that, we have the joy of the Lord. When we do that, we have abundant fruit going on. When we do that, we are happy. When we do that, we feel close and pressed into God because we're clearly hearing his voice and discerning his path for our life. When we do that, we're being obedient. The Holy Spirit wants to help us. He desires to help us and is willing to help us. Are we willing to have him help us? See, we could choose to walk in the spirit of God, yielding to his control, following his lead, allowing his influence in our life. Or not. And I think in the big picture, the you're not steals your joy. I want to end with this. I often say, I'm going to ask the praise team to come up. I often say, you know, remember who you are in Christ, which goes, we could say that all the time. And it's good to remember. But today I want to say, remember who Jesus sent to indwell you. 
Remember who you have as an advocate. Remember his functions. Remember that he operates in the power of God. That is in you. Don't fold like an accordion when it comes to fear. Don't fold like an accordion when the temperature goes up. Don't fold like an accordion when the pressure is applied. Applied. Remember that you have the Holy Spirit right there with you who will help you in your prayers when you face the trials that you have to face. Amen? Amen? So let's take a moment. Let's press into God. Let's listen to what he has to say. If you need prayer today, the altars are open. Come to the altars and we will pray for you. If you want to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you haven't done that, come talk to me right now. Don't wait. You need the Holy Spirit. You need Jesus Christ.